is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your host, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where we have a Seahawks news roundup after the divisional round of the playoffs, which the Seahawks weren't in. But we do have some news because the National Football League Honours 2022 finalists have been announced. That is Coach of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, all of that good stuff. And there are Seahawks names involved and there are Seahawks names not involved. Mm. So, Ty, starting negatively... Let's talk about the snubs. Uh, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, coach of the year got announced. And there's a it's a pretty big Pete Carroll sized uh omission here. Let me let me pull up these uh coach of the year finalists. Mm. It is Nick Sirianni of the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan of the San Francisco 49ers, Brian Dable of the New York Giants. Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills and Doug Peterson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, all of these teams made the playoffs. I believe four of the five that I mentioned won their division. So, sure. That makes sense. But I feel like you got to put Pete Carroll in here. <laughs> I don't think that Pete Carroll deserves to win, and we'll probably get into that uh, in a bit here, but given everything that went into this year man the fact that like you have like just from a narrative standpoint most of these awards are determined on narratives at the end of the day seahawks for a long time were considered to be like over the course of this offseason considered to be one of the three worst teams in the nfl you know projected to be you know picking number one all this they just traded russell wilson p carroll's you know the game has passed p carroll blah 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 blah, all this stuff right and then they end up winning nine games they make the playoffs with geno smith at quarterback like you there's very few narratives bigger than that this season really so again from a narrative standpoint it made so much sense to have Pete Carroll involved in this and it's mind-boggling that he's he's not involved here and also I just I think that he deserves the nomination again I don't think that he deserves to win I don't think he was the best coach this year and there's a lot of issues that you know his team dealt with this year but yeah I think he absolutely deserved the honor of being mentioned no doubt no doubt and you know maybe he was mentioned and there's talk that this isn't while it says finalists, there's like a finalist finalist list as well. But it's tough on Pete. And just to emphasize as well, this is regular season only. So you could say like Brian Dabel, for instance, well, they did the Giants similar to Pete, right? Like a complete rebuild. Mm-hmm. Well, not complete rebuild, but a team where they this is not supposed to be the New York Giants year. Everyone knows what Daniel Jones is. He rebuilt Saquon Barkley up. Um, they cut... Um, James Bradbury, for instance, who's gone and gone to the Philadelphia Eagles and played great football. Um, I don't mean James Bradbury. 
Uh, oh, in uh, in San, or in New York. Yeah, I do mean James Bradbury. Yeah, no, no, yeah, James Bradbury is in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, the the Giants tried to trade Bradbury and then released him, yeah. and that that was kind of a signifier that if you're doing that, there's no hope that you're trying to compete this year, and the front mm. office is clearly playing to not be that good this year, and yet they go and make the playoffs. And as I said, regular season only, but the fact that the Giants then won their first wild card game beat the paper tiger of the vikings who obviously the seahawks would like to face frauds fraudulent um you know dable perhaps is the best coach for that kind of scrappy underdog team that being said like the inclusion of sean mcdermott like the bills were meant to be good this year okay it's great they were good and off the field in terms of coaching they did deal with a lot of stuff like sure um there was that terrible uh, mass shooting in Buffalo from that mm-hmm. white supremacist. There was um, Luke Knox's passing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that Buffalo snowstorm where people died right. and then the Bills had to go play in Detroit. Detroit, yeah. And then there was the DeMar Hamlin uh, situation, which right. thankfully he's made a, a, a good recovery and was at the game. Yeah, that but, really puts things into perspective, actually. That's a wild season that they had to deal it with. It is a wild season, and the fact they kept it on track for so long is impressive, and there was injuries and stuff. Uh, and then Doug Peterson, I guess, his inclusion, that was a complete mess in Jacksonville, obviously, with Urban Meyer, him turning that round. And again, the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars, they won their first game, their wild card game. They beat the Chargers. I guess it gives them the slight edge, but like with for Pete, it's more, it's more like when is it going to happen? Because he's never. I I need to go back and see who's been a finalist before. But like the fact mm. that he's never won this award, like in twenty thirteen, they go thirteen and three, and they give the Coach of the Year award to uh, Ron Rivera, twelve and four Ron Rivera right. in yeah. Carolina. There's just so many times where he could have been the coach of the year and hasn't. Like 2014, he does it um, after the Super Bowl hangover, which should have been like a reason, like the fact they're still competing. Um, they and Cam Chancellor's holdout, they finished 2015 really, really strong um, in the regular season. Yeah. So they've done that even in like. Um, even after the utter deflation of super bowl 49 right right um 2012 like they 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 did some stuff like they were a young team they're an exciting team like if you read out the people who the people who won that award Mm. um it's not it's not what you'd expect it to be like it's not it's not it's it's hard to explain why pete Carroll didn't win it so 2011 jim harbour with the San Francisco 49ers when sure. they were 13 and three. So then naturally you'd think, oh, okay. So then 2012, Bruce Arians won it at the Colts when they went nine and three, which was a, a very special set of circumstances right. where obviously Chuck Pagano had to step away from the team uh, and Arians was interim head coach. So that kind of screwed Pete. But then Ron right. Rivera, 12 and four Carolina Panthers, and then Arians won it with the Cardinals again in 2014 when they went 11 and five. Which like it's just a bit tough on Pete, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, I guess it was 
Because the Cardinals were really bad in 2013, right? Because I remember they were really bad in 2012 because the Seahawks smoked them like 58 to nothing. But like, I guess it's just, it's like it's in a way. Moving, it's the moving like, goalposts of the award, which are a bit the, the The award is like sometimes the comeback team of the year. You know, sometimes it's the most successful team. Right. Sometimes I mean, it's like, it's, you know, Arians had Carson Palmer. Like, he is no joke. Like, he was a very, yeah. very good quarterback. Um, and then the next year, Ron Rivera wins it again, going fifteen and one, which you can't that you can't sure. really argue with. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can see I can see the arguments in terms of who should win it this year. Yeah, I, but real quick, yeah, just the changing goalposts aspect of it. I can't talk today, but anyway, mm. in terms of who should win it this year, um. Nick Sirianni, I guess, is an argument, but they were meant to be very good this year. What he does with Jalen Hurts is cool, but they're meant to be very good. I personally think it should be Kyle Shanahan because, okay, their defense is great, and they've had a lot of time to acquire talent. They haven't had that like too many injuries on their defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Shanahan's an offensive coach. It's D'Amico Ryans. And on top of that, you know that defensive scheme has been in place for a while, and Okay, Shanahan appointed Salah. He appoints these guys, but like, you know, he doesn't have that much. They've had a lot of turnover. Yeah. But on the offensive side of the ball, the fact that Trey Lance was their plan at the start of the year, they Mm -hmm. start, um, you know, he gets hurt against the Seahawks in in that early game. Mm. Then in comes Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's like, wow, how how great a story is this? Like, uh, Jimmy G's back. It's his team. Um, they, you know, what did they start? The 49ers, they started on a, they, they had a really rough patch. It, like, it looked like the Seahawks were going to have the NFC West handed to them for a while. But anyway, then the 49ers come back, uh, Garoppolo gets hurt, and you're like, well, that's them done, because Brock Purdy's in, he's literally Mr. Irrelevant, he's the last pick of the draft, he's a rookie. Is this really going to work? And yeah, the the proof of his system, proof of his methodology, the ballsiness to trade for Christian McCaffrey when it wasn't an obvious move and it was widely, widely criticized. And I think even I went at it because it's like, it's a lot of you know, this, you're going out. all in when it wasn't obvious at the time that you should go all yeah. in. Yeah. But then their defenses remain dominant and their offense has been so damn efficient and effective at moving the football down the field, effective just uh, attacking teams with that like run action and run nature of it, and then mm-hmm. so many wide-open receivers, which, I mean, that's Shanahan and the way he coaches the concept. So that's a lot of adversity. Um, what did the 49ers start the year? They were 3-3, th- three and 4-3, three, 5-3, and 3, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's impressive, but... Yeah, I mean, what, they rattled off 10 in a row to end the year, with most of that being Purdy, like, yeah, that's remarkable. And what they're doing right now in the playoffs, and obviously playoffs don't matter for this Coach of the War, uh, Coach of the War, Coach of the Year Award. Um, mm. But, yeah, um, I don't know. They're they're. It's a pretty remarkable story. Also, the, the thing with the thing I think is they say it's regular season of the year, but there's no way that playoffs haven't influenced this because I think everyone would have had Pete over Dable. 
if it was regular season only. Like Jamal yeah, Adams but he's a but he's a year. but he's a new coach and all this stuff. I I, I feel like oh, that the gets first you, year coach thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's the other thing, right? Dog. It's a lot yeah. of it is like first year coaches too. So yeah. And the know. other thing is, all of these guys are offensive guys, other than McDermott, who's like... And that's the way it is with, like, teams. all coach of the year or, or manager of the year, if we're talking about baseball. It, it, a lot of it, like, a lot of the finalists are just the new guys, or it's essentially, like, the comeback team of the year award, rather than right. actually coach of the year, you know? And and you know so. what? Like, going, going through the... Uh going through the history of the awards drabel is a defensive guy when the titans went 12 and 5 but then mm-hmm. stefanski harbour naji <laughs> that's funny uh sean mcveigh <laughs> that's a fun one the bears went 12 and 4 in 2018 wow yeah that that turned the doink yeah, the doink, the double doink. Yeah, that was that year. And then McVay... Who's that against? was that the Eagles? Yeah. <laughs> and then McVeigh, Garrett, uh, Rivera's more of a culture kind of guy, right? Kind of defense. Um, Arians, Rivera, Arians, Harbour. Like, it's mainly an offensive award. But yeah. anyway, I, I don't necessarily. It's just weird because. I, I want to know why we haven't seen who is up for executive of the year yet. Like, why why hasn't that come out? Yeah. Because if Schneider's yeah. I mean, not like, that, then that is, like, that's crazy. Yeah. And he's never won that award. Again, yeah, for all. Yeah. And again, for all the reasons that I mentioned with Pete and all the narratives, like, there, there really might not be a, a bigger narrative with a with an exec this year than than what john schneider did because like the trade of russ but also the draft i mean the draft class has been widely regarded as the best of the year along with the jets like they're you know getting all these you know blog awards and all this stuff for the draft class so like there's a lot of momentum on that front so So you think they'll give it to joe douglas the jets general manager probably probably even though that quarterback situation was a complete mess yeah, and kept them out of the playoffs basically. And the by the way, right. by the way, Seahawks had to sign Geno Smith this off season. So technically, he was an off season addition. I'm just saying. That's a so. good point, Ty. And talking of Geno Smith, he re- quote tweeted this NFL tweet saying Peter Clay Carroll. Damn, he 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 tweets just like us. He's just like he us. Meanwhile, yeah. Quandre Diggs said, "Man, I don't understand how Pete isn't a finalist." Not a top five coaching job with a team everybody expected to be sorry. You all killed me last year when I said Pete told me we're not rebuilding, we're trying to win now. Once I remember I that. Signed. Yeah, I remember I that. that. Yeah. Yep. So that context is important as well. Seattle was picked by a lot of people, as you said at the start, Ty, to be yeah. the worst team in the National Football League. And they weren't. They weren't even close to that. Nope. Uh, they were frisky. Until yeah. they weren't. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. Though. No, 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 no. Uh, so speaking of Gino, he oh. was officially nominated for Comeback Player of the Year, along with uh, Saquon and Christian McCaffrey, I believe. Yeah. So, so this is going to make me mad if if Gino doesn't win. I mean, no, there's, yeah, there's no shot. 
Like, there's no, there's no shot. Plus, he's a quarterback. He's a court. He's also a quarterback, and the other two are running backs. Like, look, man. Like the league literally values quarterback way more than any other position in the sport. So, this would be a complete like 180, a U-turn, if you will, from the NFL, and just handing that award to a running back, a Regino, who I mean, Gino wasn't just the best player of this group, in my opinion. He was also one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL overall. Like, there's no there's no way. There's no way. Like, Saquon had a great year, sure, especially if you're into fantasy and all that. McCaffrey has been really nice, especially ever since he uh, he got traded to, to San Francisco. That's all fine and good. Gino was, like, one of the best quarterbacks in football this year, though, and led a team that was as Quandre Diggs said, expected to be sorry to a playoff berth, his first playoff berth in his first year starting in like seven or eight years or something like that. Like it has to be Gino has to be. Yeah. And it would be ridiculous. Like he's top seven in basic metrics and advanced metrics after, you know, not starting since 2014 and not playing in real games properly. Uh, well, he played three in 2021, but, you know, he, he had no action. Griff and I and you, we saw some stuff that we thought would be more promising, but still, Gino's proved everyone yeah. wrong and is a man of his yeah. word in that he said he was going to come out and do this. He was being, he was talking that talk and he backed that up. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, why is Saquon Barkley a nominee? Well... He had 1,312 rushing yards in 16 games this season, 10 rushing touchdowns, and uh, 4.4 yards per attempt. That was after the 2021 season, where it looked like he hadn't really recovered from when he tore his ACL in 2020. So mm. that is impressive. Yep. I don't think it's quite as big a comeback as what uh Gino Smith managed to do. Yeah, agreed. And it's also, uh, you know, a you know, a, a less respected position, I'll just say. That's fair. And then yeah. Christian McCaffrey, who obviously the the 49ers gave up an absolute shed load to go and get for again a shed load. A shed load. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I'm gonna there steal go. that. Yeah. Oh yeah, steal that. Um yeah. Gave up their second, third, fourth round picks in this year's draft and um, a fifth round pick in the 2024 NFL draft. Mm. They, um, McCaffrey had been hampered by injury in Carolina, uh, high ankle sprains, um, shoulder injuries, hamstring injuries. Kind of looked like the typical running back story of breaking down. He's now 26 years old, so it looked a bit early for that, but still then he finishes so he'd had years of uh, 225 yards rushing in 2020 then Mm -hmm. 442 yards rushing in 2021 average per carry of uh, 3.8 and then 4.5 but then he comes in this season he has 1139 yards rushing eight rushing touchdowns 4.7 yards per carry average he also has 741 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns. 
which, I mean, very impressive and a complete mismatch in their offense. The way they use him is terrifying. The way he mm-hmm. sort of allows them to play Debo Samuel at the running back position and McCaffrey in the slot, uh, both of them in the backfield. Uh, McCaffrey just is a conventional running back behind Juice Check. He's a real mismatch option. He can even split out wide for them. Yeah. And the way that vis- that whole vision's panned out for Shanahan with Debo back in the picture, and then obviously Ayuk being out there, Kittle and his uh, versatility as well, relative of, uh, versatility for tight end and just sheer talent is scary. But I don't really think... like Players get injured. It wasn't a serious knee injury like... Um, what Saquon Barkley suffered. And it was more that the situation in Carolina was just bad. Like, it was just a bad situation. And he's gone from that, which was like one of the worst offenses in the NFL, one of the worst situations in the NFL, so much so that uh, Matt Rule gets fired and is now out of the pros, to the best offensive scheme right now in the NFL. So... Yeah, you're you're succeeding that, and it's cool that he's not getting injured anymore and he's thriving. Mm-hmm. Once more, Gino, like, how is it not Geno Smith? Yeah, if it's no. not Geno Smith, then Geno hasn't Geno hasn't started in like eight years. <laughs> like, dude, like he was essentially like he wasn't out of the league. Obviously, he was still getting you know backup jobs and getting paid a little bit, you know. But he wasn't playing at all. Like the only time he was playing was in August, and that was it. And so. To, to come back and, and play your first full season and you're like a top 10 quarterback in the league and you lead your team to the playoffs, like, yeah. I think that wins you a lot of points over, you know, Saquon and, and Christian uh, McCaffrey here. So, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, other than Gino, uh, the Seahawks have a couple other nominees for some awards. Mm. Uh Tariq Woolen, nominated for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kenneth Walker, nominated for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Vegas has Walker with the highest odds to win the award. Or they did at least yesterday when I was looking. So... Um, did Degenerate? Oh, no. Yeah. He's going up against Brock Purdy and Garrett Wilson. There's no Chris Olave, which is interesting. Um, especially when, you know, obviously Purdy had a great second half, but also only played eight games or seven games. He started five games. He started five games. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. Um, that's, again, going back to narratives, right? How narratives control these awards. Brock, Brock Purdy's a narrative, so there you go. Um, but yeah, so that you know, this is not a just a this is not an NFL show. This is a Seahawks show. Let's so let's talk about Kenneth Walker here. Let's talk mm-hmm. about his his chances of winning this award. Uh, what do you think? Uh, especially compared to someone like Garrett Wilson. Well, that's what you say about narratives, isn't it? Like, I don't think voters are going to care that Walker was missing reads and uh, you know had that dodgy patch where yeah, you know he wasn't hitting the hole properly. He was trying to do too much. They'll just look at the fact that he had over a thousand yards rushing. He started eleven games. Uh, he appeared in fifteen. He had four point six yards per attempt. Uh, he had nine rushing touchdowns, and he was incredibly explosive. 
and exciting and creative and and he was a big fantasy guy right? and he, yeah he was a big fantasy guy so like one people fantasy leagues big yeah so yeah because he because of those rushing touchdowns In, including myself <laughs> by the way there we go so, so, yeah. so i think that probably that's you know that's why he's the favorite that should yeah. see him win um i'm trying to think and he was also you know a high pick so there's yeah i think that does matter a bit like 41st overall um now you know wilson's situation um on the other hand is is pretty it's it's pretty solid too because when you consider that quarterback uh situation there in new york like it's pretty uh it's pretty incredible what garrett wilson was able to do this year so i mean that to me could go either way i mean this is the award that personally i wouldn't be too mad if walker didn't win yeah but i would i think alave was the guy for me not to be mad about because like wilson you're right to mention the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Twelve games started, uh, one thousand one hundred three receiving yards. Yeah, he only had four receiving touchdowns, which that hurt him fancy wise, which matters I think in these awards, and that mm-hmm. hurts him surely in in this process, right? Yeah. Um. So that I think probably knocks him off, and then Purdy, as I said, five games started, incredibly efficient. The EPA is off the charts. But there's no like what kind of award is it if you only give it to a guy who started five games? And by the way, on tape, there's still like moments where you're like, what the heck? Like hey, he's yeah. a rookie, but like there's still you know, he's not on fraud watch, but he's he's approaching gotcha. he's approaching that. Let's see how this week goes. But anyway, it's a regular season award. He should not win. But Alave, He's hurt because he only started in nine games, but that clearly didn't matter for Purdy. He appeared in mm-hmm. 15 games, so and receiver starts, like, what does that matter? He yeah. had, with that quarterback situation, 1,042 receiving yards, still only four receiving touchdowns, but, like, he was unguardable. Like, on tape, yeah. he just looks like an absolute... Like, he's ridiculously good. Um, yeah, he's really good. Now, remember what he did to Seattle? Like, he's one of the few guys who actually, like, really took Seattle to, to town. Um yeah it, the, even though even though his stat line was four catches for 54 uh receiving yards but he cooked up kobe Bryant he was he was routing, catch, which wasn't the catch yeah yeah he was he was routing kobe up yeah the game <laughs> yeah um i i think really it's just like new, new orleans wasn't exciting this year i'm going to assume that played a factor right um at least the Jets, you know, big media they were, market. They were, they were doing stuff, yeah. Big media market. They were exciting for a while there. I mean, didn't they beat the Bills at one point? Or they beat some good team. I can't remember. Um, and that got them a lot of hype. So I can see that. And then again, you know, Wilson being able to put up 1,100 yards with that quarterback situation is pretty impressive. So, yeah, I I don't know. But uh does a part of you feel like they are going to give it to Purdy? Because, like, Mister Irrelevant, like if he was, if yeah. he was a sixth round pick, narrative wise, it hurts it, right? Yeah, this is why it's so stupid. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Like, really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's like best. Nothing matters. Ty, be a nihilist. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. All right, let's talk about Tariq Woolen. Um, I don't think he's going to win. <laughs> just be very clear about that. Uh, I think it's sauce, and it's definitively sauce, and that's just it. Um, Aiden Tariq Hutchinson, had, the other nominee. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson's the other nominee here. Uh, and had a pretty good year, especially came on as of late. Um, obviously had the big game in Week 18 to help the Seahawks uh, against Green Bay. But, I mean, Sauce was just locking dudes up all year long. He's nasty. And Tariq, while Tariq's story is incredible, you know, the fact that he's only played the position for a couple of years and was able to start as a Week 1 starter um, and went on to, you know, uh, tie for the league lead and interceptions and all this stuff. That's great. Uh, but there's also, you know, some quite a bit of room for improvement as well, as you would expect with a guy as raw as he is. Um, and that's what makes this season all the more impressive. So, you know, you could flip that both ways, right? Like that Tariq's season is more impressive because in a way you would expect this from sauce as the fourth overall pick in the draft. And Tariq was a fifth rounder. And he still has a lot of room to improve, and yet he was able to get all these picks and all these fancy numbers that voters like and all this stuff. So maybe he has an outside shot here, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be sauce. Yeah, and yeah, I I didn't think Willem would even play this year on defense. Like It's remarkable the progress he made so quickly, testament to... You know, his ability to learn, um, you know, the coaching of the Seahawks, the fact that he was so moldable, like he was just raw, but that he learned so quickly. And his athletic ability does give him a real amount of leeway to recover when be and cheat to certain things and also jump certain things in a way that other guys just simply can't do. But I think it matters that even though the you know the award is supposed to be regular season only, it matters that like the national view of him is like getting roasted on those in cuts from Ayuk, mm. um, yeah. and and that was a terrible game from him. And there were moments like that throughout the year. He some he didn't he got away with, some he was able to recover to, and some he got beat on. Like he was, you know, he's his his raw moments showed he'll learn from them because it's his first year. Heck, he's you know one, only his third year playing cornerback just in football. His first year in the pros, where the source is just that more polished guy who's been he's used to cornerback. Who's a first round pick for a reason. He came in, he did what they expected he'd be able to do. He got away with more contact than you you thought was possible. And down the line, that might be uh, it'll be interesting to see how he adapts if they start calling that slightly differently. But right, the the thing that. Tariq has in his favor is obviously those six interceptions to Gardner's just two. Gardner had 20 pass breakups. Uh, Tariq Woolen had 16. But realistically, like Gardner was a first team all pro. I think Woolen kind of got snubbed from second team all pro. But like, yeah, if you, you know, I didn't dive into all the corners in so much detail, but like, Woolen is so he was raw, like he, he was kind of just vibing out there and making it work, which is super impressive. And he was locking guys up, but also there are moments where you're like, I don't know if this is quite like an all pros tape, but right. And 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 let's recalibrate again, as you said, like Ty, as you said, he wasn't meant to be even 
yeah. close to this discussion. So the fact he is is remarkable, and we should. We thought like, that he was going to have a redshirt year, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it's a massive, massive success story. So it's yeah. that's awesome for him and good for him, and I'm sure he'll build on that. And those two, as Pete Cowles said, they're kind of the future of the position. As Tariq Woolen said, the source at the end of the Jets game, like they're the future, and yeah, they'll be going at it and competing for years to come. So it'll be great to see them push each other forwards. It's funny too, right? Because we had Sherm and Revis. Jets corner, Seahawks corner, and now we have mm-hmm. Sauce and Tariq. That's pretty cool. There you go. So, all right. You want to, uh, any more stuff know, you want to talk about with well, the words? On that tie, uh-huh. this is very loose, but Revis was kind of the more polished. Um, mm-hmm. Like he could mirror a guy all over the field, and he had more like pure man traits, whereas Sherm was more kind of zony. And I think the peaks of Woolen and the peaks of Source, and Source is a great athlete, by the way. He's like if Sherman could run a bit faster, right? But the peaks of those are Source is probably more Sherm like. And Woolen, in terms of what he could be able to do if he if he unlocks everything, is more Revis like. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. Sure, there's more how they can be used. We'll right? we'll, we'll, we'll we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Yeah, oh, we'll go good, with good, it. good, good comp, good comp, good there comp, go. Maddie. Yeah, yeah. All players are unique. Yeah, I'm a supportive co-host, folks. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's good when you say it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I just I needed to make sure that people knew that, you know, I was being supportive, right? I right. I, I needed people to, you know, mm. I needed to make sure that people were aware that I am, you know, yeah. doing a good deed, right? Mm-hmm. And I should be praised for that. So, did you see the discourse from the uh, Mel Kiper mock draft today? Yeah. Well, okay. So. We we will get to off season stuff. Yeah. However, real quick, mm. if you know, and I haven't watched the quarterbacks yet, but I will. Mm-hmm. If Seattle thinks this guy is worthy of taking five overall as a quarterback, mm. and we also like mayonnaise in our caffeinated beverage which by the way clever mm. marketing and all but also hmm. Hmm. like if you play well enough at kentucky you should get noticed anyway like it's an sec school yeah the checkered flag elements in their uniform are a bit weird mm. never really been a fan of that i'd have to look yeah. up why that is because tennessee's on that stuff as well and they're the volunteers, and Kentucky the Wildcats. So why the checkered flag? Is it for is it for like racing? Because racing's so big down in the south. Or something? I don't know. Yeah, but you can't have an right. They're not a NASCAR team tie. Yeah, I don't, like yeah. it might be because of racing. I don't know. Maybe I should just yeah. look up why. Again, we're getting back to fashion. Vibes, it's a, you 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 look it up. You look it up, and then it gets like it gets really dark very quick. 
with the checkered flags. Yeah, man. you, you yeah. never know. Like maybe you should maybe you should just live certain college yeah. football. Yeah, maybe you should just live in a world of ignorance. I don't know. A different world of ignorance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dif- right, a right, dif- right, right, a different right. world of, of ignorance. To be very clear, there. Yeah. Right, but any but anyway, uh, yeah. If there is a quarterback that they really like, I got sidetracked about mayonnaise. But if there's mm-hmm. a guy who and and these guys right in the draft, from what I've seen, very toolsy. Mm-hmm. They have those kind of traits where you're like, oh, maybe that could be a Josh Allen style success story. Maybe mm. that could be like a bit Patrick Mahomesy. Mm. Now, the problem with that is, and I guess Mahomes is the model that the Seattle would go for because obviously, you know, he sat out basically that year with Alex Smith as the quarterback. And then it was pretty damn obvious he was ready. He even mm. got brief action that year, right? And then he comes mm. in and just takes over the league because he's just ridiculous. Mm. That would be the model. But like uh, uh, Josh Allen, right? He learned playing and he was considered coming out a real project and a lot to work with, uh, a lot to work on. Mm. And so Seattle can't, you know, realistically, they're going to pay Gino for a variety of reasons. And he's earned that, whatever the structure of the deal However, they make that work, but they'll they'll make it work. I'd be super surprised if they don't. And likewise with Gino, I think Gino wants to return, which matters because he, in theory, could go to the highest bidder. And Seattle, realistically, I think, wouldn't be the highest bidder in certain situations. Now, but I so I don't think they're in a position though where they can they can have a guy learn on the job by playing. And the, the way you do learn is by playing, really. I think Mahomes is just, just you know, one of a kind in that sense. Right. Yeah, like you're not gonna find another Mahomes more likely mm. than not. So, but but the thing with the toolsy stuff is like, okay, toolsy isn't quite enough for me because Drew Locke, other, Yeah. You can laugh at the Drew Lock stuff, and yes, they have to get him re-signed, but Drew Lock Schneider clearly feels very highly about. Mm. They're not. Yeah, they're bigging their guy up and they're trying to rebuild him and, and get his confidence back. But they're not lying when they say they like stuff in his game. And the right. tools are obvious in his game. And like there was an argument that last year in the draft, if Drew Locke had come out then, he'd have been quarterback one. Hmm. And, you know, they passed up going for like a Malik Willis, who there were tools there. It would have needed a lot of development because they had a Drew Locke. They passed up on Desmond Ridder, who was like a baby Geno Smith. Because mm. they had Drew Locke. And so if they if they take a quarterback at five, you know that they think he is in a completely different world. It can't just be that he's toolsy. They clearly feel that he has way more than that, um, that he's more polished, that he's ready to compete for this, the job on the go. And then that kind of gives a weird locker room dimension. I think it would be much more likely for them to go and get a quarterback, say, in round three, mm-hmm. round four. Mm-hmm. I would I would like them to do that. And why not carry three quarterbacks on the roster? Because they talk right. time and time again about doing that. But then, you know, I need to watch the quarterbacks. And if you didn't know, I haven't even mentioned who it is. If you don't know who Mayonnaise quarterback from Kentucky is, it's Will Levis. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, what what do you think about this tie? Well, it's interesting, right? Especially like, would they still consider it even after signing Gino? Because the thing that Schneider said, I think I said this on the last uh, news roundup that we did, 
the one of the regrets that he's had is not taking a quarterback when he's had the opportunity to do so. And and I would think in those certain situations, he's talking about, you know, when he's gone to see like the Josh Allens of the world and the Patrick Mahomes of the world. And I don't think that he would have had an opportunity at those guys, but I think he did have an opportunity at Lamar, right? At one point. Um, and maybe even, you know, maybe he's even thinking about someone like Teddy Bridgewater, who he traded back with Minnesota and Minnesota ended up landing. You know, maybe he's even talking about stuff like that. So, would it be possible for them to, or would, are they open to the possibility of both signing Geno and using the fifth pick on one of these quarterbacks? Well, if, you know, if you think he's the guy and worthy of that pick, then sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and two, right? Like it's, if they don't, if, if Carter and Anderson are gone and say they don't really like Tyree Wilson and they don't really like what else they're getting in terms of like trade offers. And just the best guy on their board is Will Levis or CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or whoever ends up falling to them. Then, yeah, right? Like, you kind of just, you have to do that from a philosophical standpoint, right? Like, mm. it's an interesting discussion. It's a really interesting discussion. I think, and, you know, and obviously, you know, not at five, but back into the first round, yeah. the reason why you do it is for the extra option year for flexibility when you take right. the course back. Right, so Anthony Richardson might be something there. Um, and Geno Smith does turn 33 next October. So even though there's, as we've said, lower wear on his arm because he hasn't played quarterback that often, you know, he still is 33 and cliffs can come suddenly. But like, and again, last time I say it, but I do need to watch them in more detail. But the year of being the year of you don't know what you're getting from a quarterback, a rookie quarterback. Hmm. That is very scary when Gino showed that when the, he had the protection and the pass protection before it had regressed through, you know, rookie tackle variants, the interior starting to struggle a bit more, the run game not being there. So they're getting more pure passing downs, which then exposes all of those issues. You know th- that situation, but Gino showed that he could he could play winning football. And also, by the way, he didn't have a defense that was functioning for most of the season. Sure. So, like, I that's why you pay Gino, right? That's why you pay Gino whatever. And then, okay, if you the problem also retaining quarterback at five overall is, I kind of touched on it. Like culturally, it creates a challenge, but also like how much how is that? rookie quarterback gonna do it, it it just warps the media narrative in a weird way yeah and also i think just the feel of a team and culturally it makes it odd but um john robinson round three for a quarterback there is no quarterback worth a damn after hen and hooker in this draft nice censoring uh Probably. yeah you got <laughs> censored john uh you're right but like don't rem- don't forget well you might be right. I need to watch them. But don't forget that, you know, last year everyone was trying to push up Malik Willis. Everyone was trying to push up uh, Desmond Ridder. No one thought Kenny Pickett would be the guy who goes in the first round. But mm. the point being, some of these quarterbacks will last a bit longer than you expect. So it might be that Hooker goes round three. You You don't know that. Yeah, I mean, well, you can't really like assume anything until 
pre-draft stuff actually happens, right? We're like Senior Bowl is what a few days away, right? Like that's is that this weekend? It is. is it... Uh, uh, it is. It yes, yeah, conference championship. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, this week. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. I'm getting a virtual credential. How exciting! Nice. nice. So the other thing with Kuiper's mock that they had at Seattle's second first round pick, them taking a a decide a very divisive pick. Well, not even divisive. I think kind of people were unified and disliking the pick. I don't think I've seen anyone who actually liked that pick. But Seattle does have form for taking old senior bowl attendee players. What was the uh, what was the guy's name? Ty Byron Young. Byron Young, and the reason I hadn't heard of him before this was because. I did not think, uh, you know, he was not considered a first-round pick. And the fact is that he'd be 25 entering the league. Yeah. He's one of these super seniors, which like happened because of the COVID senior. year. Yeah. And yeah. Um, he had 7.5 sacks last year, which is a big thing with Seattle because they do look at sack production uh, when they're trying to draft an edge rush. And I've mentioned on previous occasions the importance of that. And obviously, yep, the fact he's going to the Senior Bowl, the fact they'll be able to interview him there, Jim Nagy will give them some inside gossip, I imagine, could happen. And I think, you know, it's easy to bash Mel Kuyper for that, and that's a gross pick, but at least it's thinking outside the box. It's nice to see a national guy trying to do that a bit more, and one who's clearly paying attention to what the team has done in the past. He, I believe in the article, he mentioned LJ Collier and Daryl Taylor, Collier being that old senior bowl type, not an outside linebacker type, but the old senior bowl type from, uh, you know, uh, again, kind of like a reachy kind of feel to it. I didn't like the pick at the time that well. Mm. And then he also mentioned Daryl Taylor, who of course also went to Tennessee, wasn't quite as old, but was uh, a senior bowl invite, even though he was injured at the time Mm. and had high sack production and played outside linebacker. So. Well, well, what are your thoughts, Ty? Would you uh, be uh, happy? Uh, with Byron Young? Uh... <laughs> I I need to watch the guy. This is why. This, uh, yeah, this that's is that's the, that's the thing, right? Like, I, I need fair. to I need to watch this guy. Just on the surface, surface analysis here. My preference is edge at five or wherever you trade down, receiver at twenty. That's my preference or receiver after a trade up trade down whatever from 20 that's my personal preference for the first yeah. round but yeah um 25 year old edge rusher i mean i can i can just imagine the uh the reaction on twitter and that part makes me excited about the uh possibility <laughs> just yeah. uh but uh i could see that going horribly wrong because that hasn't particularly worked out super well for them in the past so uh not super stoked about that but also i don't know much about this guy i haven't watched this guy so i can't really much other than that that's just and that's why we're not quite into the uh draft period although we literally will be next week because it's the senior bowl so yeah yeah Um, we'll know some things and obviously guys the draft starts in mobile so it does Right, the draft 
draft hasn't started. Did yet. you see the the Patriots coaching staff at the Shrine Bowl? Really? Yeah. Wait, is Bill there? Big Bill. Yeah, but he's he's his title is not as head coach. It's like as his son. This is coach or something. I don't know, but yeah. Is Patricia back with them? What What do you mean back with them? Like, did he get fired? No, no, no. Like after he got fired from the Lions, did he go back to New England? Can't remember. Are you kidding? He was their offensive coordinator last year. He was literally their OC. I dude, I wasn't keeping up with that. Seahawks don't play the Patriots. I don't care. <laughs> that is true. Uh, oh no, his official title was senior football advisor and offensive line coach, but like he was calling plays. Gotcha. Um, yeah, you don't. I I do videos for underdog fantasy, and so oh, right. So I there have you, to there keep you in go. tune with the whole they, league. Mac Jones. Yeah, no, no, but now they've made a whole big deal about how they have to hire an offensive coordinator because last year was like so bad, and right. Mac Jones regressed. Right. Um. So, so Patricia is Dunzo. Patricia, yeah. Patricia, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because I was like, like he's I was watching... Dunzo. He's just gonna coach the offensive line again, I guess. Okay. Yeah, because I was like, I was watching the what the Pats Bills game in Week 18, and I was like, that looks like Matt Patricia. He, he came. Back. It was. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, was Matt Patricia. Patricia. It was. It was Matt Patricia. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah what yeah, do you know? Okay. Huh? There we go. There we go. Uh. Oh, I hit it as you hit it. Nick Guerra uh, says, thanks for the uh, content, guys. Wish I could have done more than $5, but better than nothing. Oh, that's more than enough. Thank yeah, you Nick, so you've much. already that's, been kind, Nick. That's, that's incredibly generous. So thank you. Don't, yeah, thank you very much. $5 is lovely. And as of your past donations, but please don't feel like you have to donate. But much appreciated. Thanks, Nick. Oh. All right, so Schneis. Schneider comments. Schneider. John Schneider went on the radio today. Yes. With Ian and he Fernast. revealed, Ty, mm-hmm. the best position in the 2023 NFL draft. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Why didn't we lead with this? This was is big, it, big news. Yeah, this is big news, especially because the, the Seahawks have made a big move at this particular position. Is it? receiver is it edge is it center no folks according to john schneider the strongest position group in the 2023 nfl draft is kicker but matthew Mm. the seahawks just spent five million dollars a year on a kicker what are they doing shambles at the v yeah the, the the front office is in shambles folks what are they doing? I'm calling for John Schneider's head after this. I think the game, has, jokes. the game has passed him by, clearly. No, Schneider's got jokes. He's just gearing up for his trip to Mobile, where mm. he'll get up to some fun, I imagine. Are you are you excited for the for the madness that's gonna happen when it's like, oh my god, John Schneider is at Will Levis's pro day? He's at Bryce Young's pro day. Ah they're taking a quarterback. Mm. going back to that whole conversation that we had earlier that's going to be a lot of fun oh, so yes. yeah uh so what do you want to what do you want to actually get into here with uh schneider's comments so what stood out to you because let's be real about it he said a whole lot of nothing for the most part in this interview by design mm. by the way yeah yeah 
that kicker response kind of set the tone for the whole <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. But, you know, I found it interesting that he said that it was pleasing they made the playoffs, but they have higher expectations, obviously. And mm-hmm. he said how they lost to a San Francisco team that is frankly what the Seahawks used to be, which mm-hmm. they did. They were physical, imposing, had a dominant front seven. And uh, Pete Carroll said how they wanted to build like a dominant front seven like that. And I know that that's the aim of Seattle, right? They they want to um, they want to get back to being faster to football. Feels like we've had that discussion quite a few times over the years since that amazing defense. But you know, I guess it kind of reinforces the point. And in terms of roster construction, you get the question of like, well, how do you do that? And if Geno Smith is paid more than the rookie quarterback contract. It's like, is it possible, you know, is this current draft enough to get back to that? Probably not. Uh, Schneider mentioned how the 49ers have picked in the uh, the top six of the draft, um, six in the top 10 of the draft six times, and how Arizona's picked uh, six times in the top 10, and the Rams have picked five times in the top 10. Whereas uh, Seattle, this is only their third time picking the top 10 in 14 mm-hmm. years, which that kind of rams home how, you know, they've really not been up here. And like the 49ers, I, I went back and looked at an article I wrote on the 49ers, how they almost beat Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl when Rab- Robert Sala was their defense coordinator. Mm-hmm. They used a game plan, which was very, very similar to what Pete Carroll did against the Chiefs uh, like a year before. But the difference was the 49ers had that dominant front seven where they had five first-round picks up there. Well, mm. now look at their front seven again, and it's got two all-pros, and it's still got a bunch of first-round picks, yeah. and it's got uh, quite a lot of investment in it as well. They're in a similar spot where Seattle, they've kind of tried to get by, I think, with the same mentality that they did in the early days, the 2012-2013 construction of we'll get eight guys, they kind of lucked in harsh, but they, they were very savvy in acquiring two mid-tier guys in Bennett and Averill who hit big time, yet were very good value-free agent contracts given that they hit. And they had an eight-deep kind of rush which, which um, or eight-deep eight, eight rotation which made it work. And Pete mentioned earlier in his sort of reflections on the radio that that was one way of them doing it, but maybe the, there's kind of an, an insinuation that maybe they go for a different look. Maybe in the top five, they're able to get like a uh, a game wrecking type. Uh, I know that Will Anderson and Jalen Carson aren't quite regarded as the complete like like com- you know generational guys. But, but, but Maddie, I was told that Jalen Carter is the next Aaron Donald. Right, right, right. So apparently that's not the case. Um, mm, gotcha, gotcha. So darn, I thought he was really the one. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. Either way, it's clear that you know this draft is obviously huge, and there's big decisions to be made. And the, the, Gino playing so well, uh, it does put them in a slightly different position to I think maybe what Schneider expected. Obviously, Pete Carroll. You know, he, he did it so well. He, he was so effective. Um, it was cool, actually, because um, 
he said one of coach Carroll's biggest strengths is instilling confidence in people. And he thought it was just amazing the way that Pete worked with Gino and the way Gino took his confidence and leadership skills to another level. Um, so yeah, the Gino said how he tweeted 23 going to be even better. Um, mm. After quote tweeting his 2022 going to be special, I can feel it in okay. which he tweeted January 6th, 2022, which mm. is pretty cool. Uh, and Schneider was obviously pretty big on having Gino Smith back. Mentioned they had a great talk in the exit interviews that they do with each player at the end of the season to reflect on what the position is. Said we'd love to have him back and that Gino would love to be back as well. And he also mentioned something which is becoming a theme in his negotiations, which is, um, or not negotiations, but talks about having Gino back, which is Gino knows it's about the entire team and putting this whole together, and that is going to be a process, which, like, maybe is slightly friendlier than it could, you know, than it could have been or Gino could have held for. We'll have to see. I'm sure the structure will, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, contain insurances for both sides um that you wouldn't normally get but you get because it's one year production for a guy who will be 33 in october uh yeah and that contract is going to be fascinating it is yeah it really is uh and it's like a lot of lot of you know gm talk like we'll we'll get to it as soon as we can and try to do what's best for gino try to do what's best for the organization it's like yeah that's what yeah. you're gonna do i'm still of the um, belief that like it's essentially a done deal like they're going to make it happen both sides are going to come together i think both sides have enough respect for one another and uh you know as far as gino goes too like after you just revitalize your career in one spot do you really want to go to a different place like because this is essentially the organization that helps fix you obviously we don't want to you know a lot of the credit goes to to gino as well for turning things around here but you know the organization did play a a role in this certainly and so does he feel comfortable going elsewhere and going into a new system and having new coaches and you know being in a new city and all this stuff that goes into it like is he gonna want to do that after you know basically just getting back right now just getting back on the uh, nfl map in seattle like It'll be interesting. Yeah, and I mean, Schneider said ev- what we all know about the, like contracts and the quarterback stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's cool to hear the Seahawks general manager talking about it rather than you know us talking about it. But he said how you know when it comes to paying these guys the big contracts, he says it's all about you know team building and how it's challenging for their offensive line at a certain point in time because they had the highest paid strong safety, the highest paid free safety, the highest paid left corner. That's you know yep. Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam yep. Chancellor, the highest mm-hmm. paid Mike linebacker, which Bobby Wagner, and the highest paid quarterback, which was Russell Wilson at the time. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's where, you know, he was describing the kind of balancing acts and how, how do you figure out a way to compensate in other areas of acquisition? And when they built that team, they did go light on the offensive line in terms of paying partly because of how Russell Wilson was so elusive and he kind of made that work. And for a while they had, you know, a real ability to move the ball in the run game. And then it all fell apart. 2017, there was a real disaster, right? Like just complete mm-hmm. collapsing of every everything. But the pass protection was always an up and down subject. And then how much of that was a symptom of Russell Wilson, how much of that was a symptom of not investing in terms of money 
they did try and attack it a bit in the draft, but um, yeah. So and Schneider described it as a huge puzzle and trying to have as much balance as you possibly can, but admitted that you know quarterback and receivers the numbers have really gone up and so it definitely makes it more of a challenge. But mm-hmm. yeah, the thing about Geno Smith is if you get that play which we saw and you can believe is real because it's for a sustained period with the same process that remained basically constant even in the struggles and the decline in production that we saw at the end of the season, mm. right? If you can get back to the production as well, which I've said at the start of the show, I think, you know, that was that was probably because of the uh, the pass protection declining, wide mm. receiver three getting her run game just disappearing for a bit, and then the defense being a joke. You know, if you can get back to that, Gino... And you sign that to thirty million dollars, then suddenly you're looking at a really good value contract. If you know Gino's playing well, uh, is that is that fair, Ty? Yeah, I mean it's going to be interesting, right? Because like the franchise tag is what thirty five. So is he going to want at least thirty five a year? Yeah, I mean, well, and you and you, you know, can obviously and you can obviously go below that number, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you can. You know, I'm sure he might uh, find that appealing if he gets, you know, the years committed to him, if he gets some security. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't. That's 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 going to be really fascinating to see how that comes up because I could see him getting forty, I could see him getting thirty, I could see him getting thirty five. I I have no idea where he's going to land because. If you really, if you want to put a lot, like it, it also depends on how much stock the Seahawks or whichever team ends up signing him puts into the one year. Because yeah. I mean, if you think Geno Smith is better than Derek Carr and all these guys, then he should be making forty plus million dollars. And if you're realistic, like this is, you know, Geno does owe the Seahawks some stuff in the sense they gave him the opportunity, they stuck sure. by him, it all worked out together. Pete Carroll did well, and he he said he felt loyalty towards him, and that he's a loyal guy, and his uh, press conference at the end of the, I think it was after the 49ers wildcard defeat, but um, uh-huh. also this is his last realistic chance at a big payday. So you sure. wouldn't bl- like, you wouldn't blame him if he tries ramp it up, despite all the signs pointing towards the actual opposite of that, I think. But um, mm. the other thing about the contract is, it could tell us a bit about how long Pete Carroll has as a head coach because if they did something like give Geno Smith massive signing bonus um, to keep this uh, to keep the uh, cap low for the first few years mm. and then void years and push all of the hit to the like some crazy Kick thing at the, the end and all the way down the road because okay they've always been responsible with how they handle the team and talks about not having any years where it's just bad like the awful awful years of losing the stuff which by the way 49ers rams cardinals have all had which is why they've picked six times in the top 10 as schneider alluded to in the in the past however many years hey, what what is the book called maddie is it called win sometimes or win forever yeah, right, and always compete. However, yeah. forever ain't forever ain't a thing if Pete Carroll retires in three years' time. So maybe mm. they just go all in for three years and then they're just like, see ya. Like uh um you know, wh- when was uh when was the original win forever win forever pens, Ty? 
2010. Where was Pete coaching? Uh, he was coaching in Southern California for. He uh, was. Yeah. And then yeah. what happened in Southern California? Hmm. We don't uh, rehash that whole situation, but no. Yeah, Pete, now Pete, Pete, Pete may have or may have not uh, dipped out <laughs> when things got a little, little interesting down there in at SE. Right. So the the other factor, of course, is you know John Schneider is fifty one years old, so I don't think he's going to want to. Uh, if Pete Carroll is going to retire in say four years' time. I don't think Schneider's going to want to just mortgage the future of the franchise um, so that Pete can then win and then and then he just has to deal with a complete mess after Pete goes, unless he just takes a sabbatical after winning. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think... That would be so irresponsible yeah. um, that I don't think it happened. But, you know, there is a potential that Gino's contract gives that uh, inclination. I doubt it. I'd imagine there's a way of doing it with clever front office things like incentives that makes it work for both sides and i'm still optimistic that it will look much better from a team building standpoint of what you can do after it than i think some people are saying now Mm -hmm. as we said at the top of the show with the draft and uh mr kuiper's mock Mm. but it doesn't preclude them from drafting a quarterback it shouldn't um if there's a guy they really, really like, do it. Why wouldn't you do it? You know, you don't mm. always get this opportunity. Pete mentioned how special the quarterbacks are. At the same mm. time, believe that what Gina showed was real. I, I really urge people to do that. Believe in that. Um, yeah. And also, um, you know, Pete saying that the quarterbacks are special, maybe that's also a little bit of a tactic. You can trade here. that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little trade down. Yeah, a little negotiation tactic. Maybe he has nothing. With Gino. He has nothing to lose by saying that. Yeah, yeah. He exactly. has everything to gain by saying that statement. Yeah, exactly. So, so there we go. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be a big off season. We're going to have tomorrow and uh, a defense twenty twenty two data and film review of the season. The following Thursday. Maybe we'll do Senior Bowl stuff. Get the mm-hmm. Senior Bowl tape out. Watch a bit mm-hmm. of that. Uh, break yeah. down some of the big names. We have Will Carter uh, to talk about. Will Carter. Will Anderson, Jalen Carter to talk about. Will Carter. They combined. Man, that's a scary player. Maybe Jaylen that's Anderson. the... That, that, might that's be the future. that might be the future Aaron Donald right there. The next yeah, Aaron Donald is, is Will Carter or Jalen Anderson. There we go. Uh, yeah. We got stuff we can do like on the free agents we can mm-hmm. do sort of the prototypes of what the seahawks offense needs their major needs what are they looking for in a wide receiver three what does a cornerback look like in the seahawks 2023 defense because they've gone away from that 32 inch arm threshold that the unofficial threshold that they abided by mm-hmm. they now have smaller types they now have slightly different techniques they're coaching which there's all sorts of stuff that we can do and we will do. But until then, like the video, subscribe to the channel, comment. If you're listening, five-star review, please. Mm-hmm. Download it. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to it. Yep. Tell a friend about the show. Absolutely. Follow tell some the... enemies too. Yeah, tell the enemies, evil people. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
follow the Twitter at Seattle Overload. Follow Ty at Dane Gunzelers. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. Follow Griff, who also does it at C Mike Spin Move. Yeah, follow Griff some for some great quarterback content. Yeah, Griff's kind of gone off the rails. Like we need to talk to him about that. Like he's yeah, tomorrow, into Joe tomorrow we'll, fights. Like, yeah, bad. tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow maybe it's not the defense review. It's just an intervention. He's like Griff. Dak Prescott is. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, poor Griff. <laughs> um, yep. My Substack, Seahawks on tape. Mm-hmm. I had a week's off. There will mm. be a Jalen Carter, Will Anderson article out this week. Check it or out. Jaylen, or a Jalen Anderson article. Jalen Anderson. Yeah. Will Carter. Yeah. Will Carter. Yeah. There we go. Car- Carter Anderson. Carter Anderson. Mm. There you go. Um, also, you should check out my interview with Jerry DePoto, president of Ever baseball of operations him? with the uh, Seattle kind Mariners. Of a big deal. Yeah, kind of, kind of a big deal. Over at the Lockdown Mariners podcast, we talked to him for about... 43 44 minutes so yeah, just, yeah. you know guys hanging out you know yeah just, dudes you know dudes being bros dudes talking, talking ball uh baseball you know yeah yeah hitting the ball yeah a little little, little b-ball yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. casual little b-ball yeah yeah, yeah yeah cool cool you talk fastballs yeah 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 fastballs sliders sinkers two seamers splitters yeah yeah, yeah. screwball screwball sure yeah yeah Pork nice. ball. Yeah, yeah. Gyro ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Softball. If if pitch. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that knuckleballs. Yeah, yeah. I we know baseball. Yeah. Well, that's why they call you Matty F. Baseball. <laughs>